here we go. Hold on. Okay. Okay. We got two real. Food Junkie <laughs> Radio. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. Uh, episode number six, Polo. We're just in the middle of talking about um, big cities and like expensive, high, high food, hot cuisine, restaurants, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to figure out how that came to be and how we got to that point and how come you don't see those things in, you know, outlying areas or smaller areas uh, in mass, like how yeah. you would see it. Why does their you know? natural habitat seem to be yes. the bigger city? Why is that? Continue on. Go ahead. You were uh, saying. I don't remember what I was saying. We got sidetracked. I know. Um, did. I think, oh, I, I remember. Uh, I think the big restaurant, um, like the tasting course restaurant or the restaurant that has those expensive ingredients uh, that maybe you're, starting entree price is $40 or if you're getting the tasty menu you're looking at $100 plus a person without beverages of any kind mm-hmm. uh, I think well I only see two options for how they only exist in big cities one of them being the hype machine and that because people believe that that's the only place they can work they do mm. you know is it just purely that or is it um that there's enough tourism and money flooding in that you don't just have to rely on your neighbors or be that neighborhood spot that, you know, you can go there multiple times a week. Mm. Maybe you only go there. Maybe the neighbors who can afford the nicer area where the restaurant is at Mm. still only go there two, three times a year, Mm. but there's so much tourism coming in that Mm. they, that's all they need. But see how many tourists actually eat there versus see. So there's, I would say there's an underbelly of foodie type people obviously because mm-hmm. those are i would in my opinion what sustains that obviously with the advent of, of of instagram and twitter now there's people that love to take pictures of food it's just kind of a thing and people that you know make careers essentially going yeah, out and traveling sure. places i included myself i like to seek out places that people deem to be these places of magnificent food i mean but in my own personal mind i'm thinking i just i just want to eat good food but in reality a lot of food tastes great to me and i fall in love with the romanticism of a lot of places but in terms of bigger city stuff like i've eaten at a couple restaurants in both respective areas and i mean i to me i think it is a lot of hype i think it is certain check boxes or certain check marks you know like a co-signed by certain people there's a there's obviously a subculture of high-end food and everybody wants in and i think working in the restaurant kind of gives you um at least if you're looking for it, kind of a who's who of what's what around town. Yeah. Um, and then people that want in want that. And that's kind of, I think, they the want game. that knowledge. Not even that. They just want to. It's like anything else, like wearing cool clothes. It's like, yo, I just want to tell people I went there. You oh, didn't. I understand. Oh, I had this. Have you had the. Yeah, uni I think there's the, definitely you know part I mean? of that. Yeah, yeah. Have you had the uni sure. dish with the thyme vinaigrette Thank you. on, Yes, I don't exactly. know, foam? Yeah, with some caviar, kind of, some kind of I mean? squidding brioche yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah, some. You know what I mean? And you're like, okay, I think that that harkens to like how we are as human beings. I mean, if you take it to you know your adolescent years, whatever it is that you were into, that you were just basically buying to be like, hey, I got this. Yeah. You ain't got. I'm this. I'm part of this group. Yes, almost like fraternity sororities type Very buying much into so. the. Uh, yeah, I, there's definitely um, a lot of those places survive probably on some of that Mm -hmm. although that part's kind of weird because i would i would think you know how many times do you repeat places like that not shaking your head now so maybe one you go once you went you experienced it you thought it was cool yeah uh but maybe it's too far to go consistently Mm -hmm. usually that's Mm -hmm. the issue yeah uh i think a lot of uh maybe the repeat business i can only speak from where i've worked is people go for a special occasion mm-hmm. like anniversary so maybe every year the couple at couple x goes to this restaurant because they spend they've been spending every anniversary there there for a long and time. that's like their special yeah. night out they go to the big city nearest them yeah they go to the restaurant yeah they kind of already know what they're gonna get mm-hmm. they know they get, the chef probably yeah, because which they've is been going that, there for which years. is like a point that we're i think gonna get to later about what they order the same thing because yeah. they look forward to it all year. It becomes habit. Uh, and yeah, and there's comfort in that habit and excitement in that habit. So I think that's probably more the repeat businesses that these places get. I could see that. See, this is where I think we have like a weird area because I could see where like high-end dining, at least how I used to remember. I know it's different now, but you know, like sport coat, white linen, 
you know, like yeah. server per person, yeah. busser per person type shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I think it's evolved a little bit where I don't think the the coat necessarily you know constitutes it to be in the restaurant anymore. But um, there, I I would say there's maybe a generation before us that was more in tune with that kind of dining, and I think it's evolving, and I think those restaurants are starting to be those restaurants like those destination restaurants for those specific reasons. You know, mm-hmm. ah, this is where I took my wife for our first anniversary, so on and so forth. And I think along with the new generation, there's going to be a new line of restaurants that kind of uh, become that for a certain demographic of people. But I think it still stays the same because I think to your point, I think you're thinking this has just been happening ever since we can remember. I mean, when yeah. I got in the culinary industry, New York, San Francisco, we're still... Were, that's it. And always if has you been. you were serious and you wanted to work at the top, you had to move to a big city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've definitely started to see... I don't, I don't want to call it a backlash, but maybe uh, an ex- an expansion of that habitat where these places can survive. Uh, I know I went to Sebastopol, mm-hmm. and there's a restaurant called Fern Bar there. And it's kind of like, um, I don't want to say sport jackety, you know, super fancy. It's definitely more that trendy, casual upscale. But, you know, it's in Sebastopol, which is a relatively small town. And, uh, it, it I mean, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It's surviving. And there's uh, definitely places in Sacramento that have been around longer than that, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that are expensive in our special occasion. And I guess what I was curious at the beginning is how do you, how do you start something like that in a small town? Mm-hmm. Or do you, do you open your restaurant and you know that the quality that you want to hit and it just happens to be that that, you know, you get lucky mm-hmm. or do you have to really sit down and grind it out and have that vision that like, I'm going to slowly build that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm curious what I would what almost say, that? I mean, I, maybe you go in with the intention that that is your plan because obviously it's, it's been done. There is a demographic of people that will want to dine and to pay a certain price and, to match food that does that maybe you go in with the intent to get it to that point i think that's where maybe for every one restaurant that lasts the test of time there might have been 20 restaurants that try to get there and those are just you know falling by the wayside because you can only have so many probably per capita per person or Mm -hmm. in the area so that's why maybe you know fern uh what was it fern club fern Fern bar fern bar maybe fern bar that's why that's the only place the strongest one yeah like in um i want to say san jose but probably like even farther uh manresa yeah same thing yeah that's what los gatos yeah los gatos los yeah. gatos is like i mean they have good income there yeah let's be real it, it is but, but you would think like well it's not a bunch of people but that place yeah. is a destination place even and for san francisco people it travel is. down there exactly you know um but that's the only place it's not like manresa oh and then there's right. also down the street no it's just now manresa. do they make it just because their quality is just so high mm. you know and is that the only reason and you know, if so, I think that takes a lot of guts to open a place like that in in an area where you know you're going to have to rely mm-hmm. on more than just your local community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he took a chance and magically had the right formula. Is, or is there a formula at all? Or is it just a little – is there – how much is the luck percentage in that equation? Uh, before, I used to think luck probably was like 80%. But the more I think about it, I think it, it becomes the situation of who you align with and, uh, you know, making sure that you're able to pump, you know, your product to the right yeah. circles of people, not necessarily mm-hmm. to the masses, because it's not like you see commercials for Manresa. Manresa yeah. is one of those places like I heard it from somebody, yeah. somebody who's somebody or I mean, even for a long time, Chipotle didn't have commercials. No, that's only within the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. So but everyone. So, yeah. See, but Chipotle Maybe you're is right. Chipotle's subculture because people see yeah. it as like it's just a great place for the common masses. But people who are you know, food nerds or, you know, whatever are like, well, that is a legit culinary, you know, empire because sure. I mean, Nate Appleman was one of the personalities that I remember signing on and I was like, Oh, and then I looked at the whole, you know, situation of how they did it. I was like, Oh, I respect mm-hmm. that. And I don't know why maybe it's an ego thing, but you, I want to consider that people that, you know, work in the industry, uh, you know, take it seriously. And when, mm-hmm. when you work in the industry, which I've been very fortunate to just as much as you have, you meet these guys uh, along the way and some of these guys end up becoming those guys Mm -hmm. and you know that, okay, if that guy's over there doing that, there's some good work happening. And I think Mm -hmm. that's how it's kind of been able to sustain. So like Manresa, 
um, you know, Laundry, uh, Momofuku, all these. There's been incredible chefs that have worked at other places that worked at those places. And at least from the circle of people that work in industry um, that are fascinated by that know that, whatever subculture follows that. I think after that, there's another level of foodieism where it's just like, yeah, I want to do fine dining. Because I know a lot of people mm-hmm. that love to just go fine dining, which, yeah. I mean, well, it's the experience is the It's fun, it's yeah, fun yeah. As, as, you know, because you get to learn and, mm-hmm. and, you know. The experiences uh, are insane, like uh, Grana Chats. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that experience, uh, what is it, L2O? No, 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 what's he doing? I now? don't know. Um, yeah, I had a friend go out there and, you know, they were saying like, yo, this, they had some footage and I was just like. That's cool. It's crazy. It's yeah. And it's like, not I a lot of people. know that was possible. Exactly. So yeah. maybe that that's a good segue into to the next point of, you know, what what uh, drives people's um, choice on the menu, mm. you know, because I like you and I have spoken before that like, oh, there's something super weird on there with some weird ingredient that I've only heard of once. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm getting it mm-hmm. where probably the average diner is probably not going to get that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you balance your menu? Yeah. You know, Um yeah, that's mean? like the weird. I mean, look, I I have never owned a restaurant, but I've worked in many of them, and I think that's always going to be the hardest part is trying to figure out how much you cater to your patrons versus how much you just do the food you like, and then you force the hand because the menu is mm-hmm. going to read probably both to some degree. Yeah, you're like fuck, hell, a creative dish. People ain't gonna buy this. Oh, people need to buy this dish. Yeah, let yeah. me get because the, if they uh, just try it, if yeah. they just try, they'll it. fall in love with it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's mm-hmm. why um, where I was working, you know, I definitely kept uh, menu items on that mm-hmm. I they're they're good. Don't get me wrong. I didn't. I never thought any of them were bad. Mm-hmm. I just thought they were boring. Yes, you know, to me. But uh, maybe I'm just spoiled in that. You know, I've had all of them because I made the whole menu, mm-hmm. and because I have the opportunity to go try more places than probably the normal person does. Because you know, like we were saying, you get in that circle, you go out to eat, the whole thing about when you go somewhere to eat and they try to fill you till you can't eat that's yeah. definitely true yes you know and so i just have more chances mm-hmm. to to try different things so i'm not as scared about losing my my investment in a menu item yeah because i know it's like well whatever tomorrow i know yeah. i'm going to this other place and i'll just get that thing i s- super like yeah exactly you know is is it just because i don't have to have that fear factor of it not tasting bad well it could be a culture or is thing. it just how i eat Maybe it's a culture thing. Maybe it is. Think about it. Like, okay, let's just talk about the average person. And this is like opinion because obviously this is not speaking for for most people, but let's just be honest now. Anybody that makes it into, you know, any restaurant, dining outside of your house, I mean, anybody could go a couple different ways. My my guess is, like we talked about earlier, I think people would want to order steak because I know what the filet is. I know what mash is. I know what, you know, the sauce, and I know it's going to be good. And mm-hmm. it's high ticket item. I mean, it's the most expensive menu item. Mm-hmm. I know it's good. I'm in my nice suit. Yeah. You know, I'm with my girl, and this yeah. is the thing. So I'm going to, or to, you know, the price will dictate, like, yeah, I'm out eating. So I'm maybe that eating. always is going to do that. And I mean, in yeah. a business standpoint, I mean, that's the highest grossing item. Of sure. course, I'm going to put that shit on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you I mean, where you, get it. but where you lose it is where you're like, oh, everybody in the kitchen's kind of like tired of doing filet. It's just the passion isn't behind the dish. Maybe that night, it's just hard to kind of come up around it. But yeah. everybody wants it. So, everybody wants it. I mean, I think we're asking the culture question. I mean, think mm-hmm. about it. How many people get to be? How many people grow up in a household where there's a lot of homemade food being made? First of all, that's yeah. Not many, I think, anymore. And then, what's the percentage of people maybe, that actually work? Maybe it's more than I think because of recent maybe events. Recent history. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Maybe we're on the horizon of something new, um, which but would be we super will, cool. But we won't be able to see that until 10, 15 years down the yeah. road because we're talking yeah. about kids eating high-end food now. Yeah. Down the road, mm-hmm. but in terms of our current generation, I mean, I'm, I grew up in the microwave, you know, fast food generation. Um, in terms of the culinary world, I hopped in there right after the Tex-Mex revolution. Okay. And I hopped in there when. Um, like uh what's it called uh the gastronomy stuff started happening oh the molecular yeah gastron- when molecular yeah. like pearling and yeah snow i and just hopped and in that era okay. so you know like el bully was like yeah everything was talked about at mm-hmm. least in that circle so i'm entering the zone that way where i think food is now i think at least it seems it's a little more broad at least it's more accommodating where the normal person will actually 
will look for bone marrow. Bone marrow has yeah. become more of a, you know, a yeah, it definitely has become more mainstream and made pastas. I mean, yeah. so you would think culture kind it's of almost dictates. Like, yeah. Some things that used to be, you know, top quality are, are now the standard. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, for sure. That, that makes sense to me that mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, cool. We got there now we're now that, but everyone's doing it now. So mm-hmm. let's take the next step. But then it, I see such um, a large, I don't want to say backlash isn't the right word, but that's the one I'm going to use. I see so many people who you have this dish that, you know, all right, it was here. Oh, the standard rate. And you go up, you go up, you go up. But then people don't get it. And they go and get that, like, thing that's all the way down here. Mm-hmm. It was the standard five years ago. You still do it the exact same way. And people still come in and they freak out mm-hmm. about it. And is it just a, a time commitment thing? Is it, like, one of those dishes that, you know, I don't want to go buy the steak mm-hmm. and make the mash and – do the greens it's too many pans for me i don't want to deal with the dishes mm-hmm. you know because i think a lot of people will grill a steak and maybe like microwave a potato which don't get me wrong is hella good so good but you know it, it doesn't seem like that much harder to me and maybe just because i have the knowledge yeah to just like grill up some broccoli next to it and toss it with some garlic and chili and we're good to go and then it's like that that's exactly what they're doing for you the restaurant but it seems so unachievable for people at home yeah and is it just because maybe that's the hype machine too maybe it's just you expect that to be at the restaurant so you just know it's good because you expect it to be good yeah i think a lot of it i mean culture maybe maybe it's a budgeting issue maybe it's uh you know comfortability i mean it would suck and i can only imagine if you're not well versed in food and say you know i'm on a date and be like uh uh, I would like, uh, you know, you want to seem like you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, so you're trying you to impress be, somebody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, beef, Morgan, non, no, yeah. uh, the steak. I'm, I'm perfect with the steak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it, it's sure. a lot of different factors. But in terms of like, you know, I'm thinking. I think you bring up a good point there. Yeah. Maybe we see the focus as so much being on the food. Mm-hmm. And maybe when the, when the regular diner goes out to eat, maybe the focus isn't as much on the food as in the overall experience. Yeah, because they're just thinking food. But I think yeah. it, it speaks to culture. So, I, And I don't know what the right one is, per se, because we're, we're talking about America here. We're, ta- we're talking about incorporating different cultures. So when yeah. somebody opens a restaurant under any, you know, circumstance, I assume everybody obviously takes into the account, like, you know, the ambiance and everything else and the vibe, but I don't know. I can't say how many restaurateurs actually, you know, go into that whole thing where it's like, from the minute you walk in, you're entrenched and you're in yeah. that a little Italy. You're in, uh, you know, whatever the Mediterranean yeah. Sea. Like yeah. I, I don't know, but and some people don't care. But that's the thing. Sure. It's like it's a it's a give and take because I could see, you know, a restaurant kind of like, okay, we let's just we're just trying to make money, so let's just go here, which is totally fine. And I think there's a demographic for that, and I think that's always going to become a the the kind of uh, tug and pull at least between patron and owner because it is tough. I mean, I mm-hmm. can only assume this: people that operate high end restaurants are operating the red for at least ten years. At least has to. Yeah, I don't know. I'm Staffing and everything else. I'm it like, ha- it has to. It has to be so hard. I'm assuming you have to go into a high a high end restaurant. You got to go in with hella money. Yeah, this can't be your first venture in cooking. Because no they, way. There's so much money that you're gonna spend that never is gonna see someone's plate. You yeah. know, there's yeah. the lawyers, there's there's the marketing, mm-hmm. but like maybe like you're saying, not the traditional marketing, yeah. the marketing that like gets you noticed within the right circles mm-hmm. at the right time. Yeah. You know, which is very highly specialized, and anything that's super specialized costs way more money. Way more. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's expensive to run those places, and maybe that just circles back to you need to be in an area where you give yourself the highest chance of people spending large amounts of money. And maybe that is just mm-hmm. big cities. Yeah. Cause I don't know how much is it versus reputation versus actual making money. Cause there's there, you, you we could say there's people out there that are known to be restaurateurs and be this person and this super chef hard to say if they're making money. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's two Most different. Most of them are not. Th- exactly. That's why I think people get that messed up. Those like three star places mm-hmm. that go out of business. Easily. The next year. Yeah. The Michelin guide is not a measure of you as a business. Nope. It's just some weird guy. Pure quality. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm the saying. the only thing they look and at. And the quality in that system is interesting because that's a, a strictly European thing. And I think it's weird only in the idea that it's in America because American culture is way different than European culture. Mm-hmm. We don't dine like that. Like, no. people don't casually eat out all the time. No. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think with here, uh, it's still, I think, a work in progress. I, I don't know what the trajectory is, but I think based on you know what we were talking about earlier, 
maybe down the line, I think there will be. It's like it, it, it's in a wheel. You know, yeah, things yeah. get a little overexposed. Things get a little too creative. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to something a little more, you know, based. Maybe the and bubble it's, bursts a little thank bit. You. Yeah, because it goes uh, back down. What's a food trend right now? Twenty twenty. What was the food trend? I no restaurants know. open, obviously. Yeah, to go. To go cocktails. Um, I mean, I could to only. Everything. We're in California, so California is almost a weird microcosm in itself. You know For what I mean? For sure. Because well, we are just we? have access to such better ingredients than anybody else. That's what I'm saying. It's almost. So people are spoiled here. Thank you. It's like a curse because you're like, you could do anything. So yeah. what do you do? And then, you know, once you get to a certain point of, you know, uh, notoriety. Maybe you get shitted on to some degree. Just what we were talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure if you're that restaurant, you are going to get shitted on. But to your credit, you're also the restaurant that opens the door up for other restaurants to hopefully try. Know, yeah, get up there. You're the first person to push yeah. it, push to that level. And, and maybe Sacramento's just kind of light years behind. But we're yeah. next to San Francisco, so technically we'll never be there because. Mm-hmm. You can't be next to San Francisco and then all of a sudden overtake San Francisco as like yeah, the culinary it's, capital. It's too big. Yeah, it's like you know, see motherfuckers Although in Jersey like this oh, many Jersey's people moving tech. here recently. Who knows? Good point. But, but see, maybe it'll be a dark time because all those mm-hmm. people will want to go out to eat, and then it'll have to be compared to everything in San Francisco. And to be honest, I don't know. I can't really say everything in San Francisco is better. I mean, I think oh, like no. maybe just the amount of restaurants mm-hmm. you're gonna hit big just because everybody's really competitive there. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I think yeah, that's yeah. the only reason why. There's there's so many more. So many it's more. It's bound to be yeah. that more are yeah. Oh, I believe that. And every kitchen you go into, I mean, you're talking to dudes like, oh, I'm from Japan. <laughs> yeah. I just came here to work. I'm, I'm from Japan. I'm staging. And <laughs> I do and I do sushi and I you know, that's super you know It's common. Common, but yeah, you got dudes that go to I'm like from Italy. Thank you. I grew up making pasta on my parents' farm, yep. and I'm gonna make pasta here. And of course, they're gonna be better than someone who just learned at school. Yeah, and that's just days. crazy because you're not even just someone from school. You meet people out there that yeah, I went to the CIA and then I graduated uh, this academy mm-hmm. here. I went to Johnson and Wales, yeah. and then now I worked here. So now I'm staging here. I'm like, oh. like when I heard about yeah. uh, laundry, like laundry's like yeah, uh, you pretty much you worked there for free for like a year to some degree. Like you're yeah. kind of just a long stage, and then maybe work your way up. But technically, that's kind of like if and I like, had yeah, to look even at their it, trash worker who's just didn't is already a better cook than than most people around. Yeah, yeah. and better cook meaning like you see at least in that operation. Uh, there's a couple of friends of mine that have worked there, and you just learn a different way to execute food. They do things in such a way, start to finish that. You would almost think that's, you know, that should be the standard, but it's mm-hmm. a very high standard. I want to say that's a lot of more common, you know, maybe in Europe yeah. where I think French laundry kind of takes that to the nth degree. And I think that's mm-hmm. why it becomes that place. But along with that, yes, it's a hype machine. Yes. Anybody that even just remotely works there and opens a restaurant, that restaurant becomes tapped as like that is yeah. good to go. And it's almost like going to a, uh, I would say French laundry is almost like a graduate school for culinary students because people mm-hmm. go there after going to culinary school to work. Yeah, you like go to culinary school. Mm-hmm. You go to Europe and find yourself for a year or two yep. working at the, t- and then you like go to French Laundry. Yeah, it's to like, refine your skills, and then you yeah. start the venture of opening a restaurant. Now, mm-hmm. to what degree and how people want to open restaurants, I think that comes the beauty in in restaurants itself because you could really do anything. I think there's a palette out there for anybody, and I think uh, one of my favorite restaurants, at least a while back, was uh, Spotted Pig. Spotted Pig was kind of like here's an old rundown bar. And we're just gonna do really nice food out of it, and no yeah. kind of, yeah, nothing. The focus and is a hundred percent. Yeah, and I kind of yeah. dig that because I think food culture in America is still evolving, and I think that that can help. And obviously, with the advent of you know social media and everything else, I think it does give like an upper hand for restaurants that are trying to build because now you could kind of carve out your audience at least visually, and those people will end up if they're diehards for you would want to come out and you know yeah participate i think that'll only grow with time but yeah hard to say i think san francisco and new york will always be those places just because because they're there now exactly and how do you yeah how do you overtake that yeah that's a whole different you need some massive event to take place yeah like a a reset like a well maybe we're in a reset thank you who knows but But uh, these are the same questions i ask about how did we end up eating chestnuts and oysters and it's like did someone just deem it, it that way and yeah. then this is how it is? Because I was thinking about that today before rolling over. I was like, if you look at everything just in our culinary books and mm-hmm. you're thinking like, okay, we evolved from you're telling me hunting meat and putting it over fire to this elaborate yeah. thing. Uh, 
It's so like reducing sauce for hours. Yeah, I don't know because you're also keeping in mind like, okay, you got to figure out the kitchen, you got to figure out the, the silverware, the plateware, the the pans. I'm like, someone must have gave us this information, or there must have been a higher class society because I don't know what food is ultimately at the end of the day because it is just fuel for your body. But yeah. also, we look at it like, yo, we took it to some other heights where we're. Yeah, there's some people who take it to like it's. Yeah, sure. It still feeds you and provides nutrition, but it's like eating like a thousand dollar painting. Yes. Yeah. That you're going to see that one time. See, I always wanted to go to El Bully. Like, yeah. I have their cookbooks and I look at those things and I'm like, as much as this well, it shit just looks must have been wild to be there. Because you're seeing saying. stuff that was previously impossible with molecular gastronomy. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that stuff is impossible without those chemicals. Yeah. And that's the, that's the appeal of it yeah. for, for people. So, yeah, it must have just been insane to, um, to go to a place like that. Just unreal. Dude, I mean, they're taking knowledge. And it's not like these dudes are just scientists that came to the culinary field. Like, these dudes grew up yeah. eating, you know, Basque country food. Fat, like, like country farmhouse food. And then, and then somehow they, they like, got to this point. Yeah. Slowly, over time. Yeah, over time. Yeah. 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 I think that's really how the food has come from, yeah, meat over fire to, mm-hmm. to what it is now is maybe it was like meat over fire and then someone one time was like oh look at all that stuff it's dripping mm-hmm. let's let's put something underneath it and catch that mm-hmm. and then they were like oh dude that tastes good with that and then another time maybe it reduced cuz the fire got too hot someone and they were forgot like about it someone like, slept oh, it yeah. tastes really good when we leave it overnight <laughs> write that down on and the stone <laughs> and yeah oh and if we just put this thing in here that we usually just cooked in water mm-hmm. This vegetable tastes really good when we cook it in that. And maybe that's how it happened. It's just super slow over that. thousands yeah. of years. That's why when you're But in yeah, it, it is so – we're so far different far. in what seems like a historically short amount of time. Yeah, and we're you know, stuck right, like right 2, in this small place. like 2,000 years ago, it Thank seems you. Yeah. like a short time. I think that's why when you're working in like high-end restaurants for anybody that's – you know, or even just a regular restaurant, when you're learning like how to – you know, those little, you know, tips and tricks and all that, like that is like – passed down from from way type. back yeah from like thousands of years back yeah. if you think about it it is because you know when you go to school sure they they show you how to cut something but, generally but yeah. like they're still showing you and it's not like that person who's showing it to you just spontaneously invented that no they learned it when they went to school mm-hmm. and they were probably you know yeah it was cool it is cool maybe maybe it's like the the tech boom where it just exponentially gets faster and faster as our technology I mean, think about it, especially with the amount of people that focus on it now. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just so much brain power behind it. It's just bound to accelerate faster. I could see that. But along with the cycle of food, maybe it accelerates and it it hits a point where now the average person more than 55 percent of people can cook, you know, basically pretty good food. Yeah. And now it maybe holds every restaurant accountable to make yeah, you either have to something be better than decent or sourcing ingredients. I think sourcing mm-hmm. ingredients is overlooked. I think sourcing ingredients is the most important thing. I remember watching Kitchen well, Confidential. That's California for you. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. But yeah. that's it, it, even more so in places that aren't California, trying to source like a very unique protein, trying to source mm-hmm. a very unique item. Um, I think that gets overlooked. I think chefs or uh, any cook or anybody who's building a menu and trying to source these ingredients and making a conscious effort to try to find those things. I think that's where maybe that little uh, reason why these high-end restaurants are able to be high-end because they have the ability to source things from all over the world like that and have the techniques and the people in place to execute it to where it gives you that product's highest quality at that point because all those specialized resources and tools are collected exactly so to just it creates the environment for that and it could be hype i could be crazy but then if my world is revolved around food in that manner and i'm thinking that way and when i'm eating it and i'm already like three wine bottles in and i'm eating it i mean it's not only the food i'm taking in i mean i'm looking at everything the experience itself, the mind plays as much of a part because mm-hmm. I understand every, you know, renegade back there is, you know, a hired gun and is probably 20 years experience coming in as a line cook underneath this guy with the vision to make this dish. Mm-hmm. And it's here now and it's cooked perfectly. And, you know, I, that's how I take it. Yeah. It's hard to be very critical because food's so subjective. I mean, so subjective. Shit, yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I was like, maybe that's that the is the frustrating part. <laughs> yeah. But that's the beauty of it because yeah, it's never ending. That's the funnest part. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know, hype machine or not, I, I think 
I don't think it has to do with luck. I think if we're talking about like the one one percent of restaurants that are out there that are those mainstay restaurants, I think those are there by design. As crazy as it sounds, mm-hmm. I mean maybe uh, accident at first, but it's at some point there is a hype machine or or enough media around it and enough people co-signing it to where, all right, that's yeah. tabbed as that guy. I mean James Beard. I mean shit. I, yeah. I'm assuming that these people are there is some pay to play situation. I don't know how right. it works, but. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe like, not straight dollars to no. to favor, but it's something definitely like that. you have to know this person who knows that person yeah. who's on the board that mm-hmm. knows that is, you know, you have to get noticed. Something first. Yeah. Because I mean, there's anything plenty of great restaurants that everybody can probably listen and can probably pick three out of their mind mm-hmm. that they love and no one's ever heard of mm-hmm. and that who you know most likely probably won't make it another two or three years unbeknownst to everybody at the moment mm-hmm. but that should have probably won awards yeah and i th- and i think even those selection panels know that and i think they do try more than ever the internet makes it easier a yeah. little bit to find that but like you're saying you know in the big city there is just so many places that are that good now yeah. which is exciting yeah you can never lose i remember living out there you know in the early 2000s and even my neighborhood just where i was at and i was living in the tenderloin area like Every I was a lot of Thai places, a lot of Chinese spots, some Mexican joints, uh, Indian food was like right up the street. Every place I ever walked into, it was amazing food. Now, granted, I'm in the infancy of my culinary career, but I ate a lot of you know food growing up, and the food I at least looking back at it now it was very high quality food from you know mm-hmm. my family, which you know applaud to them. So me just kind of knowing what I like, I think that's really what it comes down to. If I had to encourage anybody who's eating food. Just eat as much and as often, especially when you go out to eat. Like, be conscious about your system. You don't have to eat mm-hmm. every day, but when you do, try to venture out. At least that's yeah. what I would recommend because the more you experience different foods, the more you can kind of, oh, okay, now I have a whole palette of yeah. flavors and stuff like that. So I'm willing to be, you know, oh, I, I'd love to try that. Oh, that mm-hmm. looks different. I never had and that. And you don't have to get the most expensive menu item. Never. A lot of the know. times, the, mo- the most expensive menu item isn't really the best menu item. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. It's there to draw you in, and they know that, so mm-hmm. they charge the most. But, yeah, typically the best menu item is that, like, fourth, fifth most expensive one mm-hmm. that pe- that they're most excited about making. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, I, yeah, I should do that on the other stuff. Some other stuff. Yes. So why do you think people order certain things? Mm. Well, yeah, I, th- I definitely people decide on ordering based on what their knowledge base is. You know, they, they want to order something that they recognize. Uh, if someone's been to places a couple times and they know, okay, I've had this one thing, my server, or I've been here so many times. Now I, I know that some of the cooks that work back there, mm-hmm. they've been telling me to get this thing. I trust them enough. Cause I've had this first thing so many times mm-hmm. I'll trust them and get this other thing. And then you try it and it's amazing. Or, or sometimes you don't like it and you go back to just eating the yeah. one thing again. But you know, I, th- I think that's how people choose is their comfort level yeah you build a relationship almost with your patrons what do you think is the appeal for anybody that's coming from you know far and wide the appeal to like go for which item to order oh for that one place yeah do you think it always comes down to one item because i would that's what it almost seemed like you know what i mean like certain these high-end restaurants have these certain items like i know that they're known for yeah yeah like Danko, the tuna tartare. Yeah. I mean, uh, laundry, the the what's it called? The little you know cone with the what's it called? The um, amuse that they have that oh. was like pretty popular. Um, yeah, there's definitely some restaurants who have like signature things that, and I think that's a word of mouth thing that you know someone gets it one time and they're like, oh my god, you have to go to this place next time for your guys' anniversary or for Valentine's Day. Drive into SF and go to this place and get that mm-hmm. and you do yeah um and maybe that's the only draw for people from the smaller town to go to a place based off item yeah i think there's um with like eater and a bunch of the other like online stuff yeah i think maybe people decide that for their uh big event or for their graduation that they want to go to the big city nearest them mm-hmm. and they go to eater and go to the hot list and Look, oh, well, this is a French place. I don't know about that. This is a Thai place. I'm kind of interested by that. Mm-hmm. And probably Yelp it, honestly, yeah. and, and look at the pictures. And like, oh, that looks like something I kind of recognize. 
that could be good. Yeah. And I expect it to be better because it's in a big city. I would think people would would usually imagine. look at restaurants that way. They'll yeah. look at something like an Eater or some kind of online publication mm-hmm. and then Yelp to kind of just see the actual pictures. Pe- I've, I've walked over to tables when they're sitting down and I just see them not looking at the menu in front of them mm-hmm. and looking at Yelp. Yelp, yeah. People are visual like that. So yeah. that's why, but it's kind of weird at restaurants when it's like, yo, we don't put the picture of the food on the menu for the most mm-hmm. part. You know, or do the thing like, you know, in Monterey, what I was talking about, like, oh, here's the full pasta dish outside yeah. on display. <laughs> yeah. But it does help a lot of people. And I don't know yeah. if that's like a. I think know, that's a comfort thing. Too. It is people, a comfort thing. People yeah. want to know that they're not going to still be hungry because mm-hmm. there's this uh, reputation that the more money you spend, you get a smaller plate. And, you know, to that, I would just argue like, yeah, there's more skill behind it. So you're going to get a little bit less food, but you're paying for that skill. And don't worry, those people want you to be hung want you to be uh full yeah. when you leave they're pricing it appropriately based on what for they four believe. hours yes you know and i i think i said this before like when you go to like a tasting menu place yes you're gonna get whatever eight dishes that are smaller yeah but like you take into account the amount of time you're there mm-hmm. you know when you eat breakfast in the morning usually four or five hours later you're eating again again yeah. so when you go and you have eight courses somewhere Think about how you ate for four hours, mm-hmm. for five hours. Isn't that typical? It is for you to it to start be. to be hungry again. It should be typical. I mean, yeah. that experience. But I don't think people look unique. at it that way. No, but it's culture thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. I yeah. mean, think about it. I would have never thought yeah. to eat in Big restaurants until stars. I started working in it. Yeah, yeah, that's why my thing. I'm like, yo, if I'm president, everybody got to work in the restaurant business at least oh one, my year. God. one year. One year. I I hundred percent agree. Yeah. And maybe that sounds a little ego. Centric, no, I think it's just, it's just for the benefit. It's for the benefit for the industry on many yeah. levels: tipping, uh, understanding hard work, understanding how it works, understanding sourcing food. It, I think that could go a so long way. So beneficial ways. to your to your life. Everything. People all the time are Opens like, "How do you have the energy to do all this stuff?" I'm like, "Dude, just work in a restaurant for like three days, yeah. and you will be amazed at the amount of things." I'm not saying that you know every single person doesn't know i'm not saying i'm better than you but you are you are better than <laughs> them. just say it i am yes uh, but no like when when you first i i remember starting in chipotle and like i was like okay i i think i can do it you know i don't know i'm typically try to hold back a little bit and of course um and i just remember being so beat and i was like dude this is fucking chipotle like i'm never gonna make it in this business dude i can't even work an eight hour shift at chipotle yeah and then you just kind of keep doing it, and a couple months later, you know, your muscles adjust, and your brain just starts working faster, mm-hmm. right? You get more comfortable, and then your awareness just starts to explode, and you're like, oh, my God, all these things are happening every day. Yeah. And that each one is so tiny that yeah. it's not worth mentioning. That's why like, so many people are like, what do you do all day? I'm like, I don't know, dude, yeah. nothing. It's a whole but process. But everything at the same time. It's a whole process. It's a whole yeah. system. Like, But that's the beauty but of the it. the amount of things that can happen in a day just is astonishing. Yeah. It's and probably the, the most time. adventurous, one of the most adventurous yeah. like careers out there. Yeah. There's just so many things that could happen wrong on so many levels. And you're trying mm-hmm. to orchestrate a bunch of people to put food on a plate yeah. to feed people. To Yeah, to match your vision. Yeah. That, yeah. It's hard. It, it's astonishing the amount of things that go into just your one meal that yeah. you would never guess. But nobody cares. That you take for granted. And that's okay, though, if nobody cares. Yeah. It's just... But that's a good lesson, that even the smallest thing you. matters. Thank you. And it that's does. why, yeah, one year in a restaurant, everybody... That's what it should be, mandatory. It helps slow your brain down, too. I know we were just talking about how many things. Yeah. But you can only do that many things when your brain slows down and you mm-hmm. can take in the information with purpose. Yeah. Not just, have intent. not just have it erase immediately. Yeah. It can't be yeah. in when you're out the air. But, I mean, that's the thing. I remember being young. I remember being, like, really, like, 21, 22, getting into the business. And I was just like... I didn't know any better. So technically this is like my first job as uh, an adult. And it's just like, this is just what life is, you know, yeah, like, oh my God, I have to work like this every day. But I mean, I'm there was no other alternative. I was yeah. like, oh, I like the lifestyle. It's not too bad. You know, like a bunch of hot women around, like cool people around. It's I a get great introduced. job for a young person. It is because it, it teaches you a you lot, work but anywhere also in a bad way, there are a lot of pitfalls in the industry. For sure. For a sure. lot of pitfalls, but in, in the opposite of that is, you know, being open to a world that most people dream of. I mean, I forget sometimes that I worked in the industry because when I talk to food um, with people who, you know, call themselves to be, you know, food enthusiasts, there's a lot of things that, you know, they miss 
just from their thing, just because you can only get so much by, you know, reading internets and, mm-hmm. you know, only eating out as a patron. You know what yeah. I mean? It's only when you're really in the trenches and you've rubbed elbows and you've, you know, handled hot pans and, you know, forgot to take the bacon out and shit. Like, <laughs> that's unique and it's kind of cool because you feel it's like awesome. you're a part of something. But this is where my ego kicks in because I like the idea of the culinary world and what it has be- has become up until this point. But I also think it's like, yeah, there's a lot of ego in that shit. You know what I mean? And like what we talk about with back to the whole New York versus San Francisco. I mean, like, fuck all that shit. Like, I ain't trying to live in New York and all that because these what people aren't noticing is like a lot of these chefs that used to be in these big cities are infiltrating the Midwest. Like Minneapolis. They're coming up and they're bringing in heavy hitting restaurants yeah. i mean and a lot of them aren't covered i think when you see eater thrillist some of these publications they'll have like a thing about it but you don't see people going to yeah, those places but one article every other year thank you but mm-hmm. don't be don't don't be fooled like yeah. these fools are out there and these restaurants do exist so if you ever get big, a chance yeah going hard yeah i mean and it's all yeah. rep and don't get me wrong like everybody has their own thing but it, it i think it's slowly changing i think the midwest mm-hmm. i mean texas is one of those hot spots i mean when i went to yeah. austin i was just like Whoa, there's a lot of a lot happening out in Austin, uh, Houston to you know many degrees. I've heard Dallas already has a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you can find these restaurants out there, and to think that they're not on the level that these other places are, I think is foolish. I think in in today's world, um, and the people that put their food out there like that, um, like such, and you can do research. I mean, you can look up a chef's name and look, and you can look at oh, where do you work now. at now. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, and all you got to do is if he works there, you can Facebook him. Thank you. Yeah, and people it's take still pride like their own private one. Thank you. They'll add you just to add you exactly. for more followers, and yeah. you can know everything about them. These are people that are putting food in your belly. It would it yeah. behoove you not to even consider researching where you're going to eat and who the chef is behind it, because a lot of chefs do take pride in the places they work at. Because mm-hmm. that says a lot about a chef, you know, the fact that when you grind your teeth under this, uh, you know, under under this teacher, under this yeah. chef, you're like, okay, he has some integrity to him. He has it's like any profession. Thank you're not, you. You're not going to work for the guy that's bad. No. And then write it all over your resume. Yeah. You're going to promote the places that you worked at that were dope yeah. or that you felt were were exactly. dope. Yeah. Those are the places I look for. Anybody, those dope restaurants and their sous chef. Their sous chef. I look for it. Ooh, when he coming up with yeah. a restaurant, I look for that guy. Yeah, and that's yeah. the kind of the crazy part. No, of those are those are the it. guys that are like just about. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wants to know that place that's the like just spot. about to yep. get. Look for that third guy on the list. Yep. When all of a sudden he leaves that mm-hmm. place, follow. Try and follow that guy. Yeah, because he's probably either about to go somewhere else, super awesome that mm-hmm. maybe is already known, and yep. you don't lose anything. Yeah, but maybe he doing his own you know maybe a couple people he met or that he's friends with that worked at other places are are getting ready to open their own spot and they're about to do something wild something that they've been wanting to do but they couldn't do when they worked for this guy and a lot of those ideas sometimes like we talk about they they might just be out for a year or two and the restaurant shuts down Mm -hmm. and a lot of it to separate business and then culinary you know uh artistry Mm -hmm. those are like two separate things and sometimes they can survive but a lot of times like they don't they don't you know what I mean? Like and a Florida lot of guys, shut down. That was crazy. A lot I was of like, guys Damn. have no uh, expectation to make it. A lot of guys no. just do a pop up for a year just because just they because. just they read some book about some cuisine they never worked with, mm-hmm. and they were like went to their financial backers and was like, "Hey, yeah. I want to explore this, and will you fund this?" Yep. And they do it for a year. Who's that one guy from Norway or Copenhagen? Oh, uh, he's doing. He he keeps doing that. He keeps moving. Yeah. All, it's Red Zeppi, right? Red, Rene Red Zeppi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. And, and yeah, he just like goes to a country, mm-hmm. does it for like two, three years, and he's moves on, on to the yeah. next one. Like L two, and it's by design that way. Yeah, a lot of the guys like from that generation, or not even generation. Maybe I would I say mean, that generation. Yeah, that yeah. generation. That generation where being you. a cook very first got super popular mm-hmm. and they were in the right time mm-hmm. so they have the backers they to, were blessed to with Great the timing. right yeah the yeah. right time like laurent gras laurent gras was uh fifth floor in san francisco mm-hmm. he was the exec back in the that era 2090s whatever made a name for himself there i think and then he kind of even till now he just travels around and has these pop-ups yeah. and they're like chasing the white rabbit side mm-hmm. for anybody who's a fan of his and it's not a lot but it's enough to warrant that just like yeah. ludo lefebvre down in la yeah. ludo's like his whole thing was like look man uh, my food is meant for everybody so mm-hmm. that's why he started doing the whole ludo pop-ups yeah, yeah. down there now he does uh Twamek with the the tolo mm-hmm. brothers 
and that's kind of like uh, no and questions it, asked. And there's and then people you in yeah. every community. It's not just these bigger names that nope. we're talking about. Nope. There's people in your community. There's who Teaming like up, doing for all the types of for stuff. the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, they ask their boss for the weekend off, and they're doing that pop up on the corner that you saw on one Instagram post mm-hmm. three months ago. Mm-hmm. Go support that person. Yeah, because you're probably gonna eat something that you'll never eat again. Ever. It's probably gonna be amazing because those people just care. You know, they they put every waking moment they have free into that idea for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a fun, it's super fun way to eat something super cool for super cheap, usually. Super cheap. Fun yeah. to see the community people. Because a lot of people that attend those events are the people that are they're in, in the, the know. know. They're yeah. definitely, they know They're the food guy. bloggers. They're the guys that are, yeah. you know, they're in, like in the They're like the friends scene. of that guy. And mm-hmm. they kind of know everybody because they're friends yeah. with that. Or they're the food that. blogger. Yep. Who does all that, re- you know? Yeah. Follow them. Writers, you know, whatever. They're all there, you know, photo guys. It's like some weird subculture. And it's cool and it's shitty all at the same time. Because it's like, if you ain't in the if you ain't in the circle, you ain't in type shit. Catch 22 style. Yeah, yeah but yeah, then also it's know, lovely because those things do exist. And to many degrees, these circles of people aren't really, you know, like standoffish. It's just, it's always hard to catch these moments and you have to really find it. Yeah. And if you're really into those things and if you want to partake... You have to, you know, really make an effort to try to yeah, put yourself you do. out there. You do. Yeah. You do. Like, because, you know, you yeah. already have so many things you're keeping up with every day. So if it's something that super interests you, yeah, you do have to, you know, try mm-hmm. a little bit. But it gets easier because it's like once you're in, then you're, you're in. in. Yeah. Then, then you know that food blog, yeah. you made a connection. You guys are kind of homies. Yeah. And they, they tell hey, are you going to this? Yeah. yeah, I think my only gripe with food community stuff is always just like the seriousness of it. Because sometimes it does yeah, get a little too like it's way it's too just serious. Food, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, like it's just food. Well, and that's kind of where I sit. Mm-hmm. That's why I like, you know, the molecular gastronomy stuff. Super amazing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really interest me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll eat it. Yeah, of course. But I, you know, it's not something I'm probably ever going to do to any degree. I like the really old school techniques mm-hmm. and. And using ingredients in maybe unusual ways without trying to just be weird, mm-hmm. you know? Not doing too much to the ingredients. Yeah, so. maybe like see, using this yeah. ingredient in place of this other one just because it's in season or mm-hmm. it's better this week and opening people to, hey, I know you said you you never eat cauliflower. I'm just saying because there's one sitting there. But like, forever. <laughs> look at this like. <laughs> for like two weeks yeah, like, you must be aging <laughs> it <laughs> i'm aging it because yeah, before yeah. these actually like uh, <laughs> supposed to alive. stick to them and then i'm like oh, okay. it's a new way of prepping hey, it you it just let be. it fall that apart. might be hella good i mean dry yeah. uh, dry aged steaks and dry <laughs> aged cauliflower i mean we might be onto something yeah but it's just like uh yeah that that's what interests me and that's mm-hmm. the advantage of going out to eat more often is you're gonna find people like me you're gonna find someone else who's the exact opposite yep. of me yeah and you get to try it and kind of see where you fall but there there's advantages to both and mm-hmm. yeah and it's always different. You only get opinion. it by going out. Yeah, but see, the fact that you're able to say that about your preference is because you have eaten at places that utilize some of those techniques, yeah. and you have you are familiar with them to many degrees, and and you just at the end of the day, you're like, well, I've had it. It's not my cup of tea. And yeah. then doesn't you mean venture- it's bad. No, exactly, because there's that guy out there that's like. I love how they're able to make olive oil noodles. Like, oh, that's dope. That's dope. You know, that's you wild. Do, you know what I mean? But I'll it's eat cool. it. I'm yes. probably never going to make that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. why you seek out the experience. And if it tickles your funny, then you're like, oh, I'd love to seek out more of that. And mm-hmm. if not, then you're like, you know what? I'm more into this guy that does, you know, split open yeah. boars over open coals. Oh, like, ooh. You know what I mean? And yeah, there's that, out there for that. Cool. Yeah. I want to say food is as defines a lot of who i am i think as much as it should for most people and i don't know mm-hmm. in american culture we're not there yet but i think we should be marching that way in whatever capacity mm-hmm. i think weaning ourselves off of you know uh more of the processed or fast food whatever you want to call it I'm kind glad of thing you brought this up yeah because i mean well, as much as i'm born you, from yeah. it so i'm like i i am a true survivor of that era but also understanding the beautiful parts of food and how you're able to find yourself in food i yeah. think is where i kind of stand it gives you a good vision on um i've uh, i always believe in the vote with your dollar mm-hmm. but it gives you such a good way to to look at your culture as a whole to when you're doing something so primal which is eating and you know you get to see like the direct result like this right re- you know restaurant uh what is it i think state bird has their own farm that they partnered with Oh, I know what it is. That place that's over in the ice blocks, uh, Mendo Farms. Mm-hmm. Mendo. They ha- they have like multiple dishes named after the farm that they brought back from the brink, mm-hmm. you know. And that's just like such a powerful embodiment of like you vote with your dollar. 
mm-hmm. and like this restaurant decided this farm was doing it the right way to completely partner with them and you're reaping the rewards of it just by going there yeah they took it upon themselves yeah. to exclusively and you get to do see that. right away what yeah. happens when yeah. you vote with your dollar yeah. because yeah I, I don't i don't remember the farm but it was like bankrupt yeah. basically and mendo farms came in and was just like we think your product is amazing mm. we want it yeah all of it make more mm-hmm. and save them yeah which is cool which is like yeah the Every, point of everybody it. says <laughs> they want that but then everyone goes to the supermarket and buys yeah the process the cheapest stuff. one is yeah but that stuff only survives if you start spending money see that and it's proven to our time culture thing. and time that no rbst R- yeah R- 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 yeah R-B-S-T. i did it right for once yeah. rbst that exists because consumer pressure mm-hmm. which i we which dictate I didn't ultimately know that what until we like want. a year or two ago yeah i just saw some random document mm-hmm. i was like oh all milk used to have this and then people were just like no we're just not gonna buy it and look what happened you that's can make a, such a big change you can but that's the problem is because yeah. culturally right now we're not necessarily there now are we marching towards that i'm i think so i mean i want to say cereal aisle is shortened down the vegetable aisle is kind of bigger i mean it's kind of it's on trend slowly shifting let's hope that it continues on and i don't know ultimately if that's the best foot forward but i would think if like i said putting the emphasis on you know identity through food i mean i it behooves people not to you know partake in any form i mean whether it's cooking at home whether it's you know uh, working in the restaurants, uh, going out to eat and just being an enthusiast, you do vote with your dollar. But mm-hmm. I've heard of this before, and I don't know how much of it is true, but European countries, money, when it comes to food, is not that big of a problem because they would spend more than 50% of whatever pay they get on food. Culturally, yeah. that's just what they do. Well, it just makes you a healthier person. Here, uh, here for some reason, it's like if you're going to skimp on anything, skimp. it's going to be the food. Yeah, and, and yourself. Yeah, everyone always skimps on their body, their car. Thank you. And yeah. Why is it, that? And it's, yeah. And, but then you've got to go to the doctor for 8 million. And now we're getting real exactly. philosophical. But like, yeah, I, I was lucky growing up. I had, I think two, two of my, whatever they're called, the child doctors were all about what you eat. Mm-hmm. And they were super into, and my, and my mom was super about eating right. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely lucky that like, yeah, I enjoy eating kale, but it's not an overnight thing. You know, when I was a kid, I still mm-hmm. didn't like it. Yeah. But once you start seeing the rewards of like, oh, well, if I eat this thing and then I'm healthier, cool. Let me go out to all these places and see what they do to make it taste hella good. Boom. And then boom. I c- see. But I that's do unique that. to your story and the idea that yeah. you consciously understood me, that that was a part I'm of And now I'm like, me. let me share that with you. Thank you. So yeah. come out to eat. Let me, you know, because everybody who comes in and asks, how do you make this? I'm like, you want the recipe? You can have it. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. None of this is proprietary. Like you cannot put a recipe for copyright. So yeah. we are in the world of sharing as much as we yeah. think it's secretive. A lot of the secret ingredient, just like my culinary chef told me, is like, yo, Chef John, shots out. Love is the secret ingredient. You can mm-hmm. really taste that in the efforts that you put in, especially yeah. it, it's it's small How much detail. attention did you pay? Thank you. Did yeah. you get it golden brown or did you get it kind of like that dirt yeah. brown? Yeah, because if you take it off too early, leave it on too long, hot, too much high heat, not yeah. you know what I mean? It, That's it's the a skill. difference. That's the yes. skill you're paying for. Yeah. Yeah, anybody can, you know. The shallot, dull knife shallot cut, you're like, yo, that shallot will definitely taste a slightly little different yeah. with a dull knife versus a clean cut. I mean, it's Especially crazy. visually. Subtle, yeah, exactly. Which, you know. We eat with all senses. The yeah. only profession, the only thing in the world that uses all the senses would be the culinary arts. Yeah. Sound, taste, smell, vision. Uh, I don't Hearing know, sometimes. Hearing, yes. The, sauté, sizzle the sizzle The sizzling. Oh, the Is first that saute. That's yeah. sexy. Yeah, thank yeah. you. That's the only thing that's yeah. out there. I mean, and it the fact, like I said, it looks back to the culture thing. And we could be in a renaissance. Maybe oh, this is the so. slow change of, you know, a generation becoming. Because, I mean... I do where I work at. I see people, you know, buying their children like uni and stuff like that. I that's was like, wild. That's, that's never wild. in my world. But no. the fact that I'm seeing that is because that that parent is a, a product of like, yeah, thank you. And yeah. now they're slowly learning. Now, what does this become later on? I, I have no clue. But it, like you said, vote with your dollars. You, yeah. It's hard earned money. And food is important. It's harder. Yeah, people work really hard. Yeah. So so spend it in a way that benefits you most. Yeah, because becoming part of the food culture, I think, is always exciting in any in any shape. If you're a pizza person, you could travel the world looking for pizza. Right. You can travel around your town. Yeah, I, and, and you can just make it a whole thing. Like, look, here I just alone, love pizza. There's yeah. like five amazing pizza places. Love pizza, pizza places. And then there's like 
a hundred mediocre that have that one pizza that's bomb. Yes, exactly. Where's the where's the places you eat pizza here? Oh uh, well, famous pizza, which is like my mid level, you know. Famous pizza, where's that? See, perfect. Yeah, my time. I that. <laughs> it's famous on uh, Freeport. Uh, you know, like decent pizza, it it's it's good. You know, with the quotes, like it's yes. it's not gonna blow you away. Look, I'm a but it's never gonna be bad. There's not bad pizza There's ever for me. Pizza Supreme being, oh yeah, which that is, is that's great pizza, yeah. natural yeast only. There's Mazzulos. Oh, Shout out to the Godfather's son. You know. The Italian, keep it like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's Roma number three, Ooh, which almost. is hilarious that everyone calls it that all the time. Roma number three, yeah. Everyone always calls it Roma number. I'm trying Roma to think three. of another. Uh, there's One Speed, One Speed over in East Sac oh, makes great pizza. Selens yep. uh, makes great pizza. Yeah, people sleep they, on Selens. They have that brunch pizza. Mm-hmm. It's got hollandaise on it, mm-hmm. which I know a bunch of people just said excuse. Yeah, because hollandaise dank. Okay, it's good. Hollandaise dank. <laughs> Throw that on a pizza. I'm like upcharge ten. Yeah, I didn't even try. I didn't even try it, and I got five right away. Nice. I did, plus a six, you know, decent one. Yeah, they do a yeah, lot of good I deals at Selens for that too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the world is out there. Just, if yeah. you like one thing, somebody makes it from scratch. Surprisingly Some, enough, somebody has. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we were talking about video games. Someone always goes a little bit more than you. Mm-hmm. Let them. Yeah. Let that pay them for that. Yeah. And you get to benefit. Yeah. And then you can learn. And then the yeah. rest of the month, you can just try to make it at home and then go yeah. back there again and eat it. And be like, what did I yeah. do wrong? Because yeah. I bet you most of them will tell you. Maybe this is what the reset's about. As much as this crazy time going on, maybe out of this, restaurants take a new approach and put a big emphasis on you know the experience again. Because maybe that, that might have been... total experience? Yeah, maybe that was yeah. lacking. Maybe yeah. we got still accustomed to just being very mundane like... Oh, this is some hip chic shit. Everybody kind of follows the same thing, and mm-hmm. no, no disrespect yeah, to any of the restaurants out there. Put flowers in my ice or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Maybe mm-hmm. people, you know, not necessarily taking big risks because obviously business is always a thing. But maybe being more conscious about that and trying to really double down on something that's unique to maybe the chef. And I don't know if business mm-hmm. partnerships go out. Maybe, maybe chefs become better business people out of this. Yeah, I, I think I think you I've seen I think I've seen this happening where. I think we were talking about earlier about the culture of working in a kitchen. Mm. And I've noticed in my short time that it started to drastically change, especially from the people I learned from where they were like, oh, you're lucky you didn't work with my boss because they're mm-hmm. not like, I, I feel yeah. like you're a yeller and you're yelling at me that your boss was a super yeller. Yeah. And I think that's a positive change where I, I think um, people's mental state has become of such high value mm-hmm. that it's being addressed in, in hard jobs, not just by kitchen work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think the culture is starting to change for what I feel is the better, and I hope it continues that way. Yeah. I forgot where I started this whole comment at, but that's where I'm going to end it. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I believe it. I think that usually because when you see chefs kind of, you know, be the face of a restaurant, it's usually, oh, that's not the owner. It's just yeah. the chef. Yeah. Because you'll see the oh, chef better business people. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, maybe they're they're realizing how to address all these things that have been perennial problems in mm-hmm. kitchen work, mm-hmm. which will allow them to address those. And, yeah, maybe they do figure out, okay, well, if – if I want people to work for me, I got to create a good working environment. And if I want to pay them, I got to make money. Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? Okay, well, I got to put on X amount of dishes that I know are going to sell. Yeah. And I can't just do whatever I want mm-hmm. with that, you know. And then maybe over time, the public changes and is like, well, we want, we like what you when you do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And then yeah. they have more fun and, you know. Probably creates a better working environment for the people when the chef can have more fun. I mean, that sounds Honestly. like the, the story of Momofuku. That's how yeah. he kind of did his thing. He said, I was trying to do a ramen shop, and I tried to do it as a ramen shop should. Yoza, you know, mm-hmm. edamame, and then the shit wasn't working. I was on the verge of closure, according to the story. Like, fuck it. Let's, and he's like, let's fuck it. Let's do just something get else. everything local. What's the harm? And then all of a sudden, and then it becomes a culinary hangout at night. He does late night food, and then he's like, hey, bring in this Hassett lady. Can you make, you know, McDonald's apple pie from scratch? Sure, I'll try that. Can you make some cookies? Great. This is what we're going to do for dessert. Yeah, milk. And somehow he transcended doing that. But he yeah. went through a lot of failures before finding that success. I mean, mm-hmm. whether it's in the kitchen itself yeah. or – and it's way one to learn yeah, by messing up. Yeah, man. I mean, but who knows? Like I said, after yeah. all this, maybe, like I said, maybe it's a slow turn. We're never going to see anything like at the snap of a finger. No. But because this situation's happening and people are cooking at home and maybe there is a newfound respect for cooking ultimately in the long run and, um, you know, with better, you know, cooks out there at home, it'll hold restaurants accountable to make, you know, um, more food. You know, with more thoughtfulness, I guess, or more risk. I, I don't know how to really approach that, but maybe people just really try to, you know, p- 
put a better product out there. Not to say they haven't been, but I would say maybe as the time goes, maybe it'll be, you know, a lot more different. For sure. Sorry, I got I gotta, I, this person. I got to respond right away. Otherwise, they're going to freak out. Uh-oh. P, you got, you know, marital situations. Uh, Food Junkies Episode 6. That is our uh, anything going on with you? Anything going up? Uh, any, you know, last-minute words for 2020? Since the next time we'll pod, it'll be in the new year. Uh, keep drinking your water. Good. Go for a walk. Get outside. There's a lot of walking going on, especially yeah. in Sacramento. Good. A lot yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Take some, take this little time at home. Oh, that's what I was talking to the person at the coffee shop today. Mm. Is there anything that you've been meaning to get to? You got plenty of time at home to do it now. If it not have been the last couple or months, you, you know, and maybe if you haven't been doing it, you might not want it that bad. Mm. Switch to something else. Deep. Refocus. Deep, deep. Thank you, P. Always Food Junkie Radio number six. Ryan the Reback at you. Thank you very much. Namaste.